You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We're currently covering every Mandalorian-themed episode of Star Wars television, from Clone Wars through Rebels, all the way up to The Mandalorian. We're currently covering Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 6, The Tragedy. But before we get into that, Ryan has a bit for us. Yeah, how's it going? Um, uh, so good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, nice. And I'm 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 really relaxed today, which was not the case the first time I played uh, Star Wars Dark Forces, uh, and and uh, seeing the Dark Troopers in this episode just brought back some memories of fighting them. And I also recently played uh, the Oculus VR game, The Bounty of Bog's Triff, where you play as IG-88 on a rampage on Nar Shadda. And that kind of flipped the script on Shadows of the Empire when you fight IG-88, which I always found incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess my question is, what Star Wars, and I've kind of just answered it myself, what Star Wars video game enemy or boss is your nemesis? Like, what was the Ooh, that's a good question I love Star Wars video games I am also not great at single player games I'm pretty good at uh, you know the shoot 'em ups online versus teenagers I can hold my own but uh, when it comes to, like, single-player bosses, boy, howdy, is that rough. Um, I'm tempted to do, like, a really deep pull and say something from uh, Jedi Power Battles. Ooh, I remember at the end of the first level of Jedi Power Battles, there was, like, a crazy... I think I called it like a mega destroyer droid as a kid, but it really wasn't. It was just like a crazy big droid on the Trade Federation battleship. It was like a construction droid. Yeah, that guy was a real bitch. He had a silly head and the big like power lifter arms. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you ripped the scab off that memory. Yeah. He's up there with IG-88. Jedi Power Battles was a dope game. Um, I think my official answer, though, should be something more recent. I'm going to go with uh, the, se- the fifth sister, seventh sister, the big, the big Oh, buff. the ninth, the ninth. Okay, the ninth, the ninth sister. She kicked my ass. She kicked my ass so much. I was fallen order on Kashyyyk in the tree, and she was just punishing me. She's a lot. Yeah, yeah, she, oh, it's a lot of woman. She was brutal. 
I think rather than IG-88, mine is actually Boba Fett in Shadows of the Empire. Mm. Um, the Ninth Sister, I didn't struggle with that much, but it, for Fallen Order, for more recent stuff, I don't know why I, I had no problem with her, but Taryn Malakos was the one on Dathomir who got oh, me to drop the sucker. difficulty. Yeah, yeah, he was so... He was also kind of a weird and boring character that didn't do much for me. Yeah, I like there's something there of like a Jedi like kind of appropriating Night Sister like force Definitely. stuff. Like that that is interesting. Like I don't think it's an accident that he's a white dude and he's a male. Yeah. And he, like, is fucking with stuff that he doesn't have a right to and doesn't understand. Like, that's interesting, but they did yes. not explore it in the way that I wish they no. had. Yeah, no. And if I'm not mistaken, we never actually see him and Marin interact in the present, do we? Uh, it's been a hot minute. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, like, we're aware that she's affiliated with him, but we never really see it. And that would have been, I think, crucial to the theme you're talking about. Yeah, so there's there's something interesting there in the game, I guess. Uh didn't have the time to really yeah. flesh it out. But yeah, he's a fuck. He yeah. sucks. He was very hard to, to defeat. Um I'm trying to think. That of game's like, full of them. Anyone playing Yoda in Battlefront 2? <laughs> just the 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 droids also suck, the the BB droids. Like the small hitbox and the speed, it's it's obnoxious. And uh I get that maybe it's cool to play as those characters, but it is not fun versing those characters. Yeah, that's I didn't understand why they were so difficult at first when they were first introduced, but you're it's all the hitbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the speed, they're so quick. Yeah. When I died a Vader and I feel like one of those rebel troopers blowing away at him and he slowly lumbers towards me and gets me with his lightsaber or if I'm like looking down range and all of a sudden Darth Maul flurries past me and cuts me in twain that's fine that's cool I love that that <laughs> like that's good shit but when I am shooting at fucking two foot tall asshole Yoda and can't land a single hit and he dances past me and I'm dead. That's not fun. Fuck. Yeah, that's... Fuck Yoda. <laughs> Hot takes. That's only fun for one person. Yeah. Yeah, no good. Anyway, uh, anyway. your answer was Boba Fett? Yeah, I mean, Boba Fett's hard enough in Shadows, and then spoiler alert, uh, and and try to stay warm under there since you've been living under a rock for 25 years, if you don't know this. Uh, when, he, when he comes out with Slave 1, after you think you've won, mm-hmm. I, I think that might have been the first time in my life I ever said fuck. <laughs> in second grade, just thinking I had won and then, oh no. Yeah, it's, it's no good. Yeah, it's cheap. Oh shit. This is a deep cut. That's this what we're is here for. An original Game Boy game. It's still in black and white. 
Return of the Jedi. Did you ever play yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So it was a port, or it was a—I can't remember which came first—but it was connected to the Super Star Wars Super Return of the Jedi series of games. Yeah. So you start as Leia in Boosh, mm-hmm. and then you have to fight your way to Jawa's palace, and then you become Luke for a while, and you fight the Rancor, and then you have to fight all the Sail Barge guys, and then you become Leia again, and then eventually you get to be Han. And Chewie trying to uh, blast your way through the shield generator on Endor. And I could never get past the shield generator on Endor. A lot of lasers. Uh, and you couldn't I don't think s- I even got that far. You couldn't save your progress, so every time you <laughs> played, you had to start from the beginning. That's right. And... Uh, yeah, I sunk a lot of hours into that game, and I never beat it. I always got stuck on Endor, which was rough because it was really fun, like getting to be Han and Chewie, and like I had a ton of fun playing those characters. But then, like, nope, you're you're stuck there. Star Wars video games are hard. I think there was a level where you were Wicket, which was fun. Yes, being, being an Ewok was a good time. Yeah, good, good, good game. Super fun. Uh, could not. <clears throat> Could not beat it. You ready to talk about the Mandalorian, or do you have another deep Star Wars video game <laughs> boss? Terrace Kasi, maybe? Oh, Terrace Kasi was extreme. So nineties. Um, Jabba's champion in the Star Wars Phantom Menace uh, game. That was something. That whole game was something. I don't know. Uh, did you ever play that one? Which one was that? It was just called The Phantom Menace. It came out like a month before the movie. It was a PlayStation Mm -hmm. adventure game that sort of had role-playing elements. You could play as Padme. It was cool. You you would go through the story going from Obi-Wan to Qui-Gon to Panaka to Padme, back to Obi-Wan. And on Tatooine, there was like a full-size free-roam Moss Espa with like a whole economy and stuff as Qui-Gon. Uh, but very few characters were marked essential, and there was a whole thing where if you as Qui-Gon started slaughtering people indiscriminately in Mos Espa, like, there were voiced lines for people to talk about the, the Mos Espa killer, and then when you would, like, it, it, just this whole alternate thing, with no consequences. Um, That's awesome, I want to play that game. It was weird, uh, but one of the... One of the encounters on Tatooine, like, for some reason, Qui-Gon has to go see Jabba before the pod race. And he falls into a pit and he fights Jabba's champion, who's like, you know, the the Costco brand Rancor, Mm. who's wearing jeans for some reason. Um, Love that. Yeah, it 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 it's honestly, however weird I'm making this game sound, it's weirder. It was surreal and it was hard. And it's all top down, even though it's 3D. So it was just hard to fight this thing. The plethora of like bizarre Phantom Menace merchandise Mm -hmm. and then trying to find the gems within it. Like there is a legendary Star Wars board game. I think it's called Queen's Gambit. Which is funny because there's yeah. no novel, but it 
it's a game on three fronts where you are fighting as Obi-Wan and Maul and Qui-Gon. You are fighting as the queen trying to like work your way through the palace. And then you are also fighting as the Gungans versus the droids. And there are three separate boards like it's fucking chess in Star Trek. And uh, I've only seen pictures of it. It looks fun as hell, but like you have to find that through like, I don't know, Jar Jar lollipops where you suck his <laughs> tongue. Like the, the Phantom Menace stuff was wild. Yeah. I was just talking with a friend of mine about the uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsaber lollipops from the Phantom Menace. And he was, if I remember, he was unaware of the Jar Jar lollipop. Uh, they should have just stuck to the lightsaber lollipop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ton of ton of cool Phantom Menace yeah. stuff. And a ton of weird Phantom Menace stuff. I can't believe I did not play that game, because that does sound yeah. up my alley. But I was probably sinking time into Jedi Power Battles. Probably, yeah. And Pod Racer. came out pretty close together. Yes. Pod I think Racer. it came out the, the same day Pod as Racer. Racer. Pod Racer was good stuff. Yeah. That, right, well, I got that for the Switch. I still play that. Anyway. 20 minutes in, let's talk about The Mandalorian. Um, let's do it. Recap. Uh, they land on Tython. All the KOTOR fans freak out. Uh, Din is, you know, is this some Jedi stuff? Grogu uh, doesn't meditate. Uh, big Sky Beam. Boba Fett shows up. There's a cowboy standoff. Um, Fennec Shan shows up. There's more cowboy standoff. Then the Empire shows up and everyone is like, let's fight some stormtroopers. There's uh, a ton of cool stuff. I like the sergeant with the orange shoulder pauldron very much. I like the mortar trooper with the yellow armor markings. Yeah. I like seeing an E-Web again. E-Webs make me happy. And uh, Boba Fett just kicks ass, takes names with a gaffy stick. Then Fennec Shan does a lot of snipey snipey. Mando and Fennec team up. And then they're, you know, like, oh, wow, I never thought I'd die side by side fighting with a Mandalorian. Well, what about a friend? And then... Uh, Fucking Boba Fett shows up in the armor and there is gratuitous Boba Fett violence. The Dark Trooper droids come and steal Baby Yoda. And then uh, that's uh, the uh, the the Mando goes to see a turf about another turf. Um, and then that's <laughs> the end of the episode. I guess they're not turfs. Neither of them are feminists. Uh, yeah. The Mando goes to see a transphobe about another transphobe. And that's that, the end of the yeah. episode. What'd you think of this episode, Ryan? Loved it. Loved it. Very little I would change. Uh, you, you, you pretty much just hit on the one part I don't like. Uh, and that really has nothing to do with the writing. It was fun. I think it was the first time I was ever excited to see Boba Fett. It's really good. <laughs> I, I love yeah. Tamar Morrison. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yes. I love how much he loves Star Wars. Like, if you have not, if you're a more casual fan, you probably haven't seen Tamora Morrison in a Star Wars since Attack of the Clones. 
if you are a more uh if you're the sort of fan that is buying everything and engaging with everything you've Mm -hmm. gotten quite a bit of tomorrow morrison since then yeah he has done many a video game uh it does not matter how small of a line it is if they need him (laughs) and if they ask he will show up for it which i i think is great like i think it's super delightful i like when they have him voice adult boba because it makes sense and now we have him as live action boba which makes sense i think it's great yeah, he uh, he even just came back for Star Wars Visions, but he did. I mean, he the Republic Commando game. He was the main role. He there's no gap in Tomorrow Morrison's Star Wars filmography. People lift up original Battlefront Two as like the end all be all like best Star Wars game ever. And don't get me wrong, it's a good game, but I think. A lot of the reason why people elevate it is because they have fond memories of the campaign mode. And the campaign mode really isn't that special. Like, you're not emotionally attached to these characters, except for Tamora Morrison's performance as the, like, war journal entries. Yep. After before and after every mission, he does this like war journal shit as a unnamed clone trooper. And it is incredibly evocative and it's really, really good shit. Yeah. And I think that's why people are obsessed with Battlefront 2 still. I Oh, definitely. I, I, I think without that, it's as fun, but kind of forgettable as Battlefront 1. But yes. more Morrison really raises the the stakes of, of that game. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's passionate. And luckily, there are literally millions of characters he could play. People. That's very true. People gave him <laughs> shit for like not being the right age and for like appearing too old. And like, I, I, I feel like I want to sit across from those people like a youth pastor <laughs> and like in my chair backwards and be like time doesn't mean anything in Star Wars age doesn't mean anything in Star Wars like Ewan McGregor was too young to play Obi-Wan in the prequels yeah he was uh, Alec Guinness is way older than Ewan McGregor and the timeline doesn't work and actually wait, that- I learned I learned this the other day and it kind of blew my mind um Obi-Wan, based on the timeline and how old Ewan was in this and that, because uh, I, I would have said the same thing a week ago, um, he would have to be in his late 50s in A New Hope, even though he looks much older. But Sir Alec was only like 60 when they shot. He just looked significantly older than he was. And that blew my mind. Either way. Yeah, either way. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it doesn't. Age doesn't matter in Star Wars. Like, no. how old is that character? As old as they need to be. How long did so-and-so yeah. spend on this planet? As long as they needed to. Like, <laughs> like how, it's a fairy long, tale. how long did Luke train on Dagobah? Why are you fucking asking that? Like, that's not... 
what yeah. matters. He trained as long as he needed to in order to fight Vader. You might as well ask how long ago and how far away is the galaxy. Yeah. Like it does. It's a fairy tale. It And if your takeaway from this was they should have recast like Tamora Morrison. <laughs> Did people too really old want him point. recast? Yeah, people bitched that Tamora Morrison looked too old. Oh, and I, I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, he one, he looks great. Like, he looks yeah. super badass. And two, what are you talking about? Like, he did a great yeah, job, and like, he, he it, it's Boba Fett. Like, this is awesome. And I'm not a Boba Fett fan, no, but it was awesome. And like, also ha- like. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow could be 40. <laughs> he doesn't, I don't know, <laughs> even if the character hadn't fallen in a Sarlacc. Well, one, like, Tatooine fucks people up. Like, Look at Obi-Wan. Yeah, and, and also Uncle Owen. Uh, he went Ooh, yeah. from, um, what's his name, that really hot actor who played him in the prequels. Joel Edgerton. To, yeah, he went from Joel Edgerton to whoever played him in A New Hope. Like. <laughs> Yeah, Tatooine messes you up. What? And then two, yeah, he was in a goddamn Sarlacc. Like he's had a rough few years. Cut him, a, cut him some slack. It's not good to be Boba. Not everything is Boba Cetic. Also, I mean, if we're going by legends, he fell in three more Sarlaccs after that. So, like, <laughs> let's be, let's be a little kind. Look at Dengar. Dengar from uh, from when we see him in Empire to when we see him in. Uh, Freaking uh, Force Awakens. He he had a rough time. Dengar had the roughest of times. Yeah. (laughs) Anywho. I'm so happy for the Boba Fett stance because this is the Boba Fett that they have been waiting for since the holiday special. And the... Honestly, like the promise of Boba Fett was, in my opinion, finally fulfilled where he was a really badass looking character and we really don't see him do much in the movies. And uh, fans have been longing for this badass character to do badass things and they've gotten like partial fulfillments of that promise through video games and role-playing games and tabletop games and comic books and novels. But like, this was the outing that that character deserved. Yeah. I mean, I I never thought about it in terms of since the holiday special, but he kind of just exists in the empire strikes back to be the one who catches the Falcon. And that, that was it. He's disposed of in return of the Jedi. He does nothing in that movie. He, and he takes a couple shots at Luke in Empire and like we yeah. see Vader like talk to him with respect, which in Empire is a big deal because oh, Empire yeah. is the movie where Vader has zero patience for anyone. And then, yeah, in, in Jedi, he doesn't do shit. No, no, uh, no plot function. Can we and then go- the special editions? We just get him flirting with the dancers. Can we go to Andy's speculation corner? Please, please. I have some, it looks comfortable over there. I have some rampant speculation. Let's hear it. So, in this episode, Boba says, this isn't a spice haze. 
He mentioned mm. seeing the cruiser and saying, like, I'm not high. I know what I'm seeing. And I feel like in Andy's speculation corner, we are going to see in Book of Boba Fett some flashbacks to young Fett. And I think they are going to give us a no prize answer. Um, no prize for uh, if you're not like a comic book person, no prize is when you can explain an inconsistency in a comic book uh, as like a headcanon. And you don't get a prize for it other than like feeling pride that you could headcanon an answer. Stanley used to give them out to, to people who would submit letters. Um, so I think they're going to kind of headcanon, a.k.a. like retcon, a.k.a. give us a no prize explanation that Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi after delivering Han was doing like really self-destructive behaviors uh, because like his biggest goal was accomplished. Like he hated Han. He captured Han. Uh, he's really prideful. He's the best bounty hunter in the world. He just survived War of the Bounty Hunters. No one can come near him. <laughs> and he's fucking everyone and doing a bunch of drugs and drinking. And then cell barge fight happens and he's fucked up. And I think Robot Chicken made a joke about that, that he was hot or that he was yeah. drunk and like flying on a jetpack drunk and stuff. I think we're going to get like a more serious version of that. And then he ends up in the Sarlacc. I had not considered that. Uh, I think, am I reading I too much into I'm not high? Like this isn't a spice stream. Maybe, but maybe, but that's an odd line to give that character. If, if there's not, especially because at the time of this writing, I'm sure they knew that they were going to pursue a spinoff. Oh, I think they knew that during season one when the boots yeah. shut up. Well, it's been, I mean, John Favreau is a notorious Boba Fett fanboy since before he was involved in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. This, well, I'm sure they knew they were going to bring him back in season one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they knew. I mean, Joe Johnston, who designed the character and launched the Captain America film series he was lobbying george lucas to do a boba centered story since they wrapped uh, revenge of the sith i mean there's yeah so i could see it i i i think i mean i you're definitely reading too much into it but i feel like that's our brand Uh, and and i think you're right i i want a boba fett who has, like, fallen from the height of the world of, like, I've captured my greatest enemy to I was, like, humiliated and swallowed by this horrific Cthulian monster and then escaped, like, naked and broken and has lived in the desert for six years, five years. However long Mando is. Yeah. I know they said a time before season one that it was five years. But again, time doesn't matter in Star Wars. I feel like they moved yeah. it up with season two when they included Cobb Vanth. But um, who is now like trying to find a new mission. Like he took this time to like meditate on himself and like 
What was he doing in the desert all that time? Those five years? I don't know. But we know he didn't leave. We know he had a ship and he didn't leave. Yeah. He know he drops Cobb Vance's name, so he knew where his armor was and he chose not to go get it. Yeah, because he's watching as as Mando leaves Mos Pelco. Yeah. So and he knew Cobb Vance's name, so like he could have gotten it at any time and he just didn't. So what was he doing that whole time? Uh, I think like, you know, reevaluating, working on himself. And now I hope with Book of Boba Fett, we get this like reborn man who I don't want him being your crime lord. Like, I know there's speculation that like he took the throne, like he sits on that throne. Why? Like, I don't want him building like a criminal empire. I I'm interested to see what he's going to be up to, but uh, I'm more interested in Boba Fett now than I ever have. Been. Yeah, me too. I sort of similar to what you said, but I think I just want to see, well, like you said, like he accomplished his goal and I want to see a Boba Fett in pursuit of purpose. And yeah, Mando his, asks him, who do you work for? And he says, yes, no one. His purpose. We know lies alongside Din Djarin and Bo-Katan, like, reclaiming the Mandalorian identity. Especially after this episode establishes that Django, like, finally answers the question. Django totally was a Mandalorian. And he was involved in the conflict where Obi-Wan met Satine, yet another reason I want to see that story told. Uh, But I think... I mean, these stories are always a want-need structure. Character wants to do this, they learn they need to do that. I don't know if Boba wants revenge on the Jedi or on the, the criminal underworld or what, but in the end, I think I want to see him realize that the best way to honor his father is to honor who his father really was on Mandalore. There is a moment in uh, Trial of Magneto where... Uh, spoilers for Marvel Comics that came out like three months ago Uh, where Scarlet Witch has been murdered and it's all of the old original Brotherhood members so it's like Quicksilver and Toad and uh, Fred Duke and Avalanche and they're hanging out at the bar and they're like drinking to old times and I can't think of a time where these like five characters hung out on panel, just them. And like, it's bittersweet because Wanda isn't there because she was just murdered. Uh, but it's really awesome. And that like all of these characters have had huge falling outs and conflicts and growth and stuff since then. But it's just great seeing them hang out on panel drinking, raising a toast to the old times. I kind of would love that in Book of Boba Fett with some of the ESB bounty hunters. Yeah. Do they all hate each other at this point? Yeah. Have they had retcons and these relationships and those relationships and this falling out and yeah, it's all been crazy. But, you know, it would make my Legends heart happy. It would make my canon heart happy. I would love to see them interact. Like, Bosk was Boba's mentor. Yeah, like, well, 
Have you read uh, Zoraida Cordova's Boba Fett story in From a Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back? No, I haven't read the new one yet. Ooh, uh, hard recommend, uh, just based on everything you've just said. Because it is it is Dengar and Boba Fett and Bosk in the hangar of the Executor when they first arrive, just kind of like oh. talking about all that. And some people are open to getting the band back together, and some people are not. I love that. Like, uh, yeah, De- some people want it, and some people don't. And it's, it's Boba it's was re- Dengar's best man in Legends at his wedding. Basically, no, at his yeah. wedding, he, oh Dengar God, he was. goes to him. Right. He goes, "Will you be my best man?" And he's like, "Fuck oh yeah!" Oh my gosh, you're right. I love that shit. So like, <laughs> it'd be great to to see the gang like get back together again. You should you should check that story out next okay. time you crack that book. Yeah, and shit like we have these new characters too, like Cad Bane and Fennec Shand, and like I just want to see as many scum and villainy characters pop up in that as yeah. possible. Like, there's going to be people complaining that like this is uh this isn't fair to new fans, and like that's not true. Like, no, n- new fans are smarter than you give them credit for. Like, yeah. just because a new or just because a character from another medium shows up in a show doesn't mean that a new fan can't connect the dots and immediately like pick huh. up on that shit. The characters, as we've said before, characters like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and Cobb Vanth especially were integrated so well. I mean, most of the obsessive Cobb Vanth fans that I know have never read Aftermath. And they don't need to. No, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I like the Aftermath books, but like, you can just enjoy his episode in this show and love the character, and you're not less of a Cobb Vanth fan because you didn't read three novels. Yeah. We have not talked about this episode like fucking at all. I guess we it's have. all action, We've talked about though. Boba. Yeah, that's true. I did like his fighting with the Gaffy Stick more. Yeah, I loved that. Um, Especially because that's, I mean... You know, Pacific Islander heritage, and that's the, the, the Gaffy stick originates from Fiji. Similar fighting styles are used on New Zealand by indigenous folks that Tumwera, like, apparently really relished the chance to use that. Uh, you could tell that he was, like, ready to go into a haka, which... <sighs> oh, yes. He had like, the face and everything. Yeah, it's... It's so cool when Star Wars lets actors really dig into like the real life heritage through the character yes. like hearing Diego Luna talking about how he got to keep his accent and oh. how much that meant to him and they didn't yes. like force him to do a different accent and like he was speaking with his native accent and what that meant and like Oscar Isaac talking about how like he passionately wanted Poe to be from Yavin yeah and that was incorporated into canon for him and like stuff like that is like that's fucking cool like that's really awesome very uh and seeing tamora just like kick ass with this gaffy stick and like incorporate elements of his real life culture is is really really neat yeah that whole fight was like amazing like you said like happy for the boba stance that was that fight is where the promise of Boba Fett is delivered. Well, I think it's fully delivered once he has his armor. True. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
at that point, is it a little much for me? Yeah, it's probably a little much <laughs> for me. But knowing what that means to like hardcore Boba fans, yeah, like sure, yeah, like go another thirty seconds, like go another <laughs> minute, like go another minute and a half, like like this is for them, yeah, yeah, do it, like. This isn't for me, but I can still appreciate it for them, and, and and that's fine. I just love seeing him do the whole, I mean, using the whole arsenal. Like, it's the first time we've seen him use those little guns on his knees. What the hell yeah. was that about? Now we know. There's a moment where he, like, punches a trooper in the stomach, and then the trooper, like, explodes off of him. Yeah. And, like, that's fucking awesome. I do feel like before Boba showed up, when it was just Fennec, and then it's just Fennec and Mando, and then, like, up to that point, the Stormtroopers did feel like a threat, and I thought that was cool. Like, yeah, it felt realistic of, there's one very talented sharpshooter in an advantageous position, and she is being overwhelmed by people who maybe aren't the most skilled, but they have numbers. And that felt like a threat. By the end of it, it's a little... Uh, comical, you know, how, how ineffectual these poor stormtroopers are, but you know, up until that last like three minutes, it, it did feel like a, a, a good fight before it was Definitely. just a slaughter. Definitely, and the the cinematography of the fight lends itself to the geography like I wasn't it was the first time the Mandalorian shot on location not in the volume but it wasn't disorienting or confusing like you knew where everybody was at Mm -hmm. every given point which is why it works because like you said it it all centers on them being sort of surrounded and overwhelmed I mean when Boba like has the gaffy stick he's not even like a person he's like a a horror like yeah movie monster like he is like disappearing behind a rock and then appearing behind another one and then like like murdering someone and then like fading back away and then popping out again it's so cool and yeah they've really used the scenery to like make this fight stand out which about that real quick if you find yourself in the southern california area if you head up to simi valley and take the exit to rocky peak that is the mountain where they shot it Earlier this year, my girlfriend and I hiked. You go up a pretty easy trail, about a mile, and then it's all there. Fenix Sniper Ridge and just, I mean, the, the plants from the episode are still there. There's like one rock that's fake. Uh, definitely recommend. Easy hike, fun afternoon. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. It uh, And it it's it's the only time Mando has shot on location. I think that added to the episode. You couldn't have shot that battle on that many tiers of land with that much going on as easily on a stage. Becca took some Bastila pictures out there, right? She did not. That was in a similar park, but we do want to go there and take pictures, uh, possibly as Bastila, but when she finishes Satil Shan, because we haven't talked about, well, you kind of alluded to it, uh, Tython being a Legends deep dive, uh, Tython is lost and then discovered by Satil Bastila's descendant. So she she wants to do a pretty big shoot discovering Dope. Tython. Yeah. Love that. 
Uh, listeners, if you're newer, you might not uh, have heard Becca on here, but she's done two episodes now, and you should yeah. follow her cosplay page, Becca Soka. Uh, yes. She's awesome. B-E-K Ahsoka. Was there anything that did not work? You know, I've I've like beat this dead tauntaun so many times. But <laughs> I know what you're gonna say, and I agree. When Mando shows up next to Fennec and is uh like meat shielding her for the first like two seconds, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like he has the armor, she doesn't like that's neat how they're working together, but it 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 goes too far. It goes too far. He gets shot like ten times and is just fine. And it ruins the drama if your hero is surrounded and being pumped full of lasers and is none the worse for wear. Yeah, I cannot argue with that. Yeah, it, it goes too far. I really, really hope they steer away from that moving forward with these shows. Um, yeah, especially now that we've got two series where the main character is encased in Beskar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't like it. I I want them to to be better about that. Um, I don't like that they blew up the ship. Really. I really like the Razor Crest as a hero ship. And I like obviously the point is to devastate you. And it worked. Like I'm upset that it was destroyed. I think it was too early still. Like I just don't think we spent enough time with it. Uh if that was like a season three move, maybe I would have been more cool with it. But like Two seasons with that ship, I don't feel like was enough. I really love that ship design. Yeah, it it was a cool ship. I I get why they did it. I think it it helped to force Fennec and Boba and Manda. Like it, it was a way to get Din to have to leave Tython with Boba, and a yeah. way to sort of force the posse together. Like I get it too, and like the Slave One is. Obviously, like, the more prominent Star Wars ship, and now that's the one our heroes are using. So, like, I do get it, but, like, goddamn, I loved that ship. It was a really cool ship, and it's a shame that it's gone. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, again, like, the writing did what it it was intended to do. I am upset that it's gone. But I am also upset that it's gone. So I I don't think it was bad writing. I just wish we had had more time with it. Yeah, I mean, I would rather, in this case, I would rather the writers do what they got to do for the story rather than get too sentimental. But it's okay for us to be sentimental. <laughs> I do like the Razor Crest. I still wish that they would have kept all the weird Mon Calamari rigging up. I know, so fun. Any any negatives on your end? Uh Yeah, there should have been an after credit scene of Luke Skywalker looking around Tython like that John Travolta meme, confused where this kid is who called him and hung up. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm I'm so glad they didn't do that. But uh, yeah, I I got nothing. I mean, you kind of touched on the big sin that we always talk about. Just some rapid fire positives. Uh, Mina yeah, Wen is incredible. Ugh, she's amazing. Uh, Boba's scar makeup, really good. Absolutely fantastic. Tells the history of the last few years. Um, uh, the Dark Troopers. Oh my so god, cool. seeing the Dark Troopers in action. Uh, when he said Dark Troopers, I was like, yeah, because we'd already teased them, but they didn't have to call them that, but they did. Gideon walking like through the cruiser and stuff is just really cool. Like, mm-hmm. Seeing that cruiser like more intimately in this episode and stuff, and uh, watching Baby Yoda like toss those troopers around in the holding cell, <laughs> shit. Yeah, the emotions of Mando's performance without showing his face in this one. Yeah, him finding the the little gear shifts ball. Yeah, whole <sighs> good shit. Uh, what else? Oh, if you translate the Mandalorian in uh, Boba Fett's chain code, it mentions that his father was mentored by a man named Jaster, which is a nice Legends throwback. Yeah, I love anytime that they reference uh, Jango Fett open seasons in this. It makes me really yeah. happy. Love that comic. If you are a Mandalorian fan and especially like a Jango Fett fan, you should oh, find yeah, that comic. A, it's only four issues, and it's really good. It's really fun. Um, did you know my mom has a cat named Jaster Muriel? No, that's awesome, though. Yeah, he's fierce. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, it was it was good, and it was not too long. Like, my unpopular opinion about The Marshall is it's way too long. This was a nice, tight edit by Rodriguez. Just gave us what we needed. And gave us what we wanted and got us home by nine. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a really good episode. Well, that's going to do it for us. Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Potterworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true we are grateful to be part of the where they may radio network you can get some great rewards at our patreon at patreon slash wtm radio as well as bonus content from music and lyrics by ending pending and fan fiction is good actually uh you should really go follow us on patreon uh one we appreciate the money and yeah and two the other shows on our network are putting out phenomenal content. I just listened to the Transformers episode of Fan Fiction is Good, actually. And y'all, Transformers fan fiction sounds incredibly fascinating. Uh, those robots fuck. And it's it's a fascinating listen. Go dive into that. Like, I'm I'm not being ironic. It's really fucking interesting and <laughs> fucking interesting. It's good stuff. <laughs> oh, Go God. listen to it. It's really good. Uh, ending pending. I'm on. So of course I'm a little biased, but it, it's, it's really, really good. 
And music and lyrics wise should be dropping shortly. I know I keep saying that, but the concept is great. Ronnie is incredible. Very excited for that one. It's going to be a really fun podcast. So uh, be listening to the other shows on our network. Support us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Podcasts aren't free to make. So any any little bit helps. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Andy. Uh, how do we how do we end the show? We uh, run through a list of places that people can find us on social media. And then we promote other things from the Where They May radio network. But none of this is as important to the boy or his parents. As saying, just tell the boy about his parents. You should tell the child about his parents. Well, when we're talking about the Mandalorian, the child means something else. Uh, To clarify, this child is Ezra Bridger. And his parents are, well, why don't you tell him? Tell Ezra Bridger about his parents. Yeah, yeah. Where they may radio.